Welcome to Half a Cinch. This is a music podcast. We talk about albums from 1972. Um, my name is Mike. Is that right? Yeah. And his name is JR. I think, that, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, and Bob's with us again. Hey, I would like for you to talk like that for the rest of the episode. And my name is Mike, and it's 1972. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in. School's out. <laughs> that's right. This is in. School's out. Uh, Alice Cooper. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on uh, to to go over records by some of my favorite artists that just happened to be my eighth favorite record by that artist. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, what is, we can't, hey, there's, there's, the, no, there's no change in it. There's no change Time in is here. a flat circle, I understand. Some of us are schools out, some of us are free my Frankenstein, you know? Listen, I mean? uh, <laughs> But, but whether, uh, whatever, whatever, you, whatever you have to say about the album schools out is one of the quintessential alice cooper songs and it is turning 50 years old wow yeah 100 percent um it's a it's a it's a it's a great song so tell us about your relationship with alice cooper and this album bob okay first of all uh Feed My Frankenstein was on, man, what was Feed My Frankenstein? Was it on the Trash? Soundtrack. The oh, right. It was like, well, of course. Of course it was on the Wade's World soundtrack. <laughs> um, I love the Alice Cooper band, 100%. I, the person, uh, Vincent Fernier or whatever his name is, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, he's still doing shows. From what I understand, they're still great shows. Uh, he's a Republican, which is kind of strange, but also I get it. You know, son of a preacher, battled alcoholism for many years, very big 12-stepper, really into golf. Okay. Well, it makes sense. Um, Christian. I'll just throw Christian in there. Uh, Alice Cooper, I, I thought that was synonymous with Republican. My apologies. But uh, I... <laughs> Al, Al, this rec, not this record in particular, but of those first, like the Alice Cooper band records, you know, from, you know, the, the late 60s to the, you know, late 70s, I guess, is when they, they split up before Alice, you know, went solo and did, you know, all the solo records. But um, my earliest memory, and I mean earliest memory, period is of hearing an Alice Cooper song and it scaring the shit out of me. Like it terrified me. What song and is it that? Uh, it's, uh, I, I believe it's, uh, it's either the Ballad of Dwight Fryer's Second Coming off of uh, Love It to Death, which is hands down the best thing they ever did. The, the musicianship, the everything but on that record. That's his whole thing, right? He was like, he wanted... Not to just to be glam rock, but he wanted it to be like scary. He, yeah, he was uh, the scary guy. That uh, oh, hallowed be thy name or be my name. Hallowed be thy name is Iron Maiden. Hallowed be my name is Alice Cooper. That song, like, uh, it sounded evil to like, and I don't even know. I was probably four or five, and I just remember hearing it and being frightened. And it like over the years 
you know, I, I became drawn to that sort of sound, this just very like bass heavy kind of, you know, tritone kind of just uh, lower end of the, the range, yeah. like just riffy fucking powerful drums. And then just this snarling, terrifying uh, uh, lunatic in makeup and and women's clothing on the cover and it's just like i don't know what any of this is but it's i can't i can't my brain can't handle it (laughs) and it was it was all about is all about the personality is all about the character like the attitude he i mean he's not a particularly good singer you know and and as far Mm. as like as far as vocals like not i mean as far as like instrumentation i really only think that he's a singer right he doesn't really play anything. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think he plays anything. But I, I would argue that his voice, when he does like the, you know, the, the Alice Cooper kind of, you know, snarly kind of, you know, very throat singing stuff, mm-hmm. it sounds fine. It sounds good. Yeah. But when he actually sings like on, and it's mostly the ballads that he does, and and especially later in his career, they sound great like only women bleed and you know stuff like that are are just great songs like when he actually uses the timbre of his voice and it you know it's and he works with a good producer which he did a lot uh especially when he was solo i i I like singers who aren't particularly good i mean i'm just gonna say and like on a technical level you know yeah absolutely it was like he was one of those guys where you know for like lack of the technical skill like he's making up for it in like the attitude and the theatrics and yeah and 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 this record especially uh the 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 first record uh love it to death was probably the first record that i remember hearing there were i think two before that uh maybe three dada and pretties for you and easy action i think were before that but Love It to Death was it is one of my favorite records of all time. The one after that, Killer, is my favorite Alice Cooper album, and it's perfect. Like it's a great rock and roll record. This one to me felt a lot like the, the last gasp of that crossover from the psychedelic stuff and the the experimentation to just straight up rock and roll kind of stuff. And I think that's ultimately what led to their demise as a band is that, you know, the the band was just like, we like playing, you know, fucking billion dollar babies and, you know, rock standards. Whereas Alice wanted to do Broadway and weird shit like that. And that's fine, but it, it, it just, you know, the rest of the people in the band, the rest of the guys in the band, I assume just probably weren't on board with that. Still a great record, but I, I can see how this was sort of the beginning of the end that uh, led to a great record in Billion Dollar Babies and then Muscle of Love. Whereas I think out of that core group, uh, this is one of the weakest ones, if not the weakest one, but it still I, is great. I, I, over, you know, over, the years i've i've been fairly like indifferent to alice cooper uh i i think you know he's got some good stuff but i i've never really gone out and like listened to to whole albums uh what what about you jr uh some 
I mean, I've heard Killer before, um, and you know, the first song I ever heard was "I'm 18," and that song just freaking rules. Yeah. Uh, sure. And, you know, so I, I was. Well, welcome I, to my nightmare. Isn't that right? Yeah. Just, see, that's solo, Alice. That's, yeah, that's not solo, the yeah. band. Yeah. Right. This but, is the band with Buxton and all of them. That that yeah. stuff. I really, really, really dug. You know, where you know he likes to do the build you know I, I i'm watching a show the album to me and their whole thing it's okay it's good i mean the classic absolutely classic the song schools out i mean it's one of the songs that you hear and you're like is that in my dna like the first time you hear the song you're like feel like you've heard it before you know sure it's one yeah. of those type of songs but the album it's, overall with the rest of them eh, it's, it's it's whatever it's sweet emotion by Aerosmith. yeah it's, yeah it's, good call surrender by cheap trick it's it's a a, a quintessential hard rock song yeah, that you know known for and yeah it, played, it, it, played at every show even even now i'm sure he's playing at every show oh yeah Absolutely. and you know he's like a super practical guy which i'm, I'm watching the show right now on youtube where it, it's this like basically American Idol, but the they're real bands. They're like a band like Arctic Shark could be on it. Like they have real bands that like have a little following or they've got albums and they're doing stuff and they go and they play in front of the singer from Ailstorm, um, Gavin Rosdale from Bush, Alice Cooper, Tosin Abasi from Animals of Leaders and this other Brooke something, she's a social media pop star girl. And then they talk about what they thought about the performance, kind of like American Idol, this band will play. And every right. time Alice Cooper gives like a feedback to these young bands, which they have to take and with gratitude because oh, Jesus. Alice Cooper. Oh, oh can it, I guess? Can I it, guess? It's just super practical. It's like, yeah, yeah he'll be yeah, like, yeah. there's the part in your song where it's like, nah, 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 nah. you should just do that the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like your grandpa. Can we just you know, take the, the one part that's really yeah. great and just make that the whole song? You can just well, feel Alice. that that old band. You know, you almost feel like you're one of the members of the old band being like, no, like we just, <laughs> I almost want to just hear the rock standards too, you know, sometimes from it. But uh, yeah, you know, bless the guy. I think, he, you know, I don't agree with his politics. And honestly, when I found out all that stuff about him was felt a little betrayed because he is the spooky kind of, you know, you don't like the Prince of Dark Rock and all that to be, you know, a hot dog um, restaurant owning <laughs> Christian Republican that he fucking is playing golf. Cooperstown, right? Yeah, it's in, like, right. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's, he's been, he's been to Flavortown. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's, he's in my, he's a meatloaf. And, and <laughs> if you know me, you know that I have a, a, a strong affinity for meatloaf, the musician, like he's great you can't deny it like that and i know that he really didn't write any of those songs and had very little to do with their composition but what he brought to that project was special and it was necessary for because if bad out of hell came out as you know this wanker guitar player that weighs 85 pounds and is great uh and his band it i don't think it would have been as as big as it was without the showmanship and this is very much the same thing whereas meatloaf was kind of a piece of shit i guess like later yeah. in life and that's fine some people are just you're not going to agree with them politically and i i brought it up the last episode that i did but uh you know ted nugent is very much on that list he is he's <laughs> really good at what he does which is writing rock songs and being 
a towering mound of shit like yeah. it's <laughs> it's yeah. just what it is uh yeah, but, uh, there there's something about really really talented people that makes them have this propensity to be monsters and okay you know nope. bill cosby is a monster he's uh, also okay. one uh, of the fu- right. i'm just saying uh, i hate the man this isn't the cosby episode uh, that's yeah. later oh thank <laughs> god i do not so, want to be on that episode so schools out is their fifth album uh they did this one in new york at the record plant uh i think we we've covered some albums that have recorded there before it was you know it's the big one out in new york uh Here's, here's something funny I learned. So the original packaging to this record, uh, it made to look like a, a school desk and it opened like a school desk. And inside the vinyl was wrapped in what looked like panties. And they were made out of pa- like paper pa- mache. Paper. And they had to discontinue it because they found out that the paper was very flammable. Yes. And it's they're worth thousands of dollars if you have a copy with those paper panties still intact my my dad used to tell me that story granted a child <laughs> might i add uh but i remember him talking to his friends about that about how oh when it first came out you know it had this on it but nobody could keep it blah, blah, blah. and uh, i i always thought that was kind of bullshit but then as i got older i was like oh fuck that was actually true can you fucking imagine having some religious parents telling you not to listen to alice cooper shock rocker and because he was satan and then your record catches on fire oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, well first I was of just all lifted my car and it got if, flames if you're, you're right, putting Mom. a record on your turntable with the paper panties still on it you probably deserve for it to catch on fire <laughs> uh so here's your personnel obviously you got alice cooper uh glenn buxton on lead guitar lots of people Love. have talked about how he's he's one of the best uh michael bruce He's playing the keys and he's doing some backing vocals too. And having two first names. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, now, the, the guy I think uh, was the real standout in this band, in my opinion, was Dennis Dunaway. I'm, I'm Dennis Dunaway I, is I top the, three for me. I think the bass, bass players playing, of all time. The bass playing and the, the writing, uh, the, his writing style was is is the best on the album. It, it's, it's really good. Uh, Every, I, I if, if people are hearing this all all tens of you uh that go back and listen to love it to death listen to killer listen to listen to muscle of love the bass playing on those records is absurd like he had such a good ear for harmony and groove and just ah fucking so good so uh, good neil neil smith on drums also doing some backing vocals and produced by the legend bob ezrin who pretty much in, produced every single one of these Alice Cooper albums that we're talking about, as well as lots of other stuff that you, you could look up. But yeah, Bob Ezrin, um, big time guy. Uh, he, he was basically a member of this band for a long time as well. Uh, yeah, and op- it opens up with Schools Out, uh, the title track. And you'll, you'll notice actually that this album is kind of a theme. It, it does have, it, you know, they never like want to say that it's, it's a concept album, but it goes back to the theme of school a lot. And beyond school, it kind of like follows a theme of like what happens to people when they, when they like reject 
education in a way you know there's there's a lot of themes about going to prison or becoming like sort of scumbags or it's just yeah it's it's a lot of like it's a lot of paths life paths that uh you know end up badly or or you know i don't know that i ever considered that but like thinking about the songs and like how they fit together i think that is where i would never consider it a theme record but i think that's a good descriptor for it. it it is a very like young man sort of the bad boy 50s motorcycle kid kind of record like whereas i get that that sort of theme even though it's not really that but so yeah it starts off with you know a, a rocker uh it's his first single you know charted number seven went all the way to number one in the uk and as far as the writing credits all of the guys in the band had got a credit for this song so um but yeah it, Great. class classic yeah it just it, it just starts off with this this rejection of this rejection of uh of education in a way rejection of school or just you know he he talked about how he he felt like um there are there are two moments in the year where like it's the best five minutes of your life and he said that the first moment is like that five minutes before you open presents on christmas morning and the other is that that last five minutes of school like right before <laughs> right before the last bell rings and it's the last day of school and he's like it's so he wanted to like put that five minutes into a song you know that that great feeling so let me ask you guys this we about we all know about the um you know this song we all have heard this song before right so there's something i've always thought of and i thought of it again when i listened to this recently during the no more pencils no more homework is he trying to sound british and are those fucking kids british i mean when they recorded it in new york but for some reason my whole life and even the last time i just listened to it it almost sounds like he's trying to do maybe a character because he thinks this is a musical yes a hundred percent i think that uh i being such a fan of of uh, all of the discography of of the band and the the guy solo he has that propensity to sort of pull that weird accents in in songs at to make them like characterizations or you know to get that mood across Mm -hmm. um so yeah, a hundred percent. I think. Do you that think that probably... they had a bunch of New York kids doing like no more pencils, like doing accents? Maybe. The kids, yeah. The kids sound British to me too. The kids sound like they're all like, oh yeah. I, I think it's the band. I don't. Not a kid. I don't. Oh think yeah, it could be the band. You're I, right. Yeah, I don't think those are kids. I think those are like pitch shifted voices. Like I, I don't think those are kids at all. They're not credited at anywhere in the personnel. No. So you so think you guys are it, totally right. I know a specific example that i'm thinking of on love it to death there's a song called uh the ballad of dwight fry and there's a part i think it's right at the beginning of that song that's a a little girl talking and it's not it's alice cooper talking or vincent talking and if you you listen to it you can you can hear it's his voice but it sounds like a little girl and it's creepy as fuck but and it's like mommy where's daddy he's been gone for so long like it's 
you know, that I, I think that he does that often throughout his entire career. Cool. But yeah, I don't, I don't think those are actual children. So That's next, right. Man, I hope those aren't actual children. <laughs> uh, so next up is Looney Tune, And this is where I was talking about the, the, the different paths after school. I guess that maybe they, they follow these themes. And this one, of course, is uh, someone being institutionalized. Uh, Cooper Which Alice Cooper would go on to actually have happened to him. Uh, he was, when he quit drinking, he was put into a mental hospital uh, for his alcoholism. And he got out and he wrote an entire record called From the Inside that's uh, supposedly written about the people that he met while he was in the hospital. Uh, and it was produced by the same person that did all of Elton John's record. I think it's the guy that wrote a lot of Elton John's songs. Um, oh, and it, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bernie Taupin, I think. And oh, it wow. sounds like an Elton John record. Like, it's a great <laughs> record. But some of the songs are like, yeah, there's, no, this is not real. Like, you did not really meet these people. But that record's great, too. Uh, yeah, so Cooper and Dunaway wrote that one together. Uh, and then... Number three, this is this is you got your uh, you got your guy that's just out looking to get some ass. This is Gutter Cat, and then they splice it in with a little piece of West Side Story. So I'm guessing the guy after he you know after he gets uh, goes out and gets some tail, he joins a production of West Side Story as a as an extra. <laughs> uh, I remember distinctly being a child and hearing this song, and not understanding what the hell was going on in like five minutes it's like it jumps all over the place as far as like different sounds and like it and i had no idea of the west side story part i thought it was just part of the song oh yeah wow well yes. imagine my surprise my sophomore year of high school when i was cast in west side story and we were learning the music for it. And I was like, I know this song. How do I know this song? And then I recalled that it was from this Alice Cooper record. And it's awesome. looking back on it and listening to it, very strange. Like, it's yeah. it's a weird thing to just throw at the end of a song. Yeah, Gutter Cat versus the Jets. Yeah, the, the, the first, like, two-thirds of the song is just about, just about a guy catting around prowling around and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, they just do a cover of of the jets from west side story i think it's i i think it's it's not what you think it is i think that this song is about a cat like he is portraying a cat going out looking for a cat to have sex with oh, yeah okay. if you really listen to the lyrics it's, it's, and, a, and, it's a literal like a literal cat it's not like a metaphor of no it is not Maybe it is, but that's the way it's <laughs> described in the lyrics. And going back to what JR said, he does like the Sylvester the Cat, like with like voice, like when he's singing this, um, like that voice and meows and things. It's just part of his performance. I'm not saying it's good. It's just what it is. It's I can just music. hear him like as that judge in the show being like, it's just what sounded good for it. When you, hear what, what, it when, when you hear what sounds right for it, you do that. 
I was drinking 35 <laughs> Budweiser's a day. This sounded good. So this is this is the only song where Cooper doesn't get a writing credit. They they credit this one to Buxton and Dunaway. Well, and and, and, and Sondheim. Yeah. And Sondheim. And, well, get, yeah. and Sondheim. Did not get sued. Which again, I'm always obsessed with bands <laughs> that like put samples or covers within their own songs and on their own albums. Kind of neat, you know, that he did that, whether or not you know it worked out or whatever the concept was. Kind of neat. Probably get sued to to shit today, but I doubt he went and asked for permission. And then it, it follows it follows up with like a, a very quick like instrumental like an interlude that kind of interlude yeah that plays off of the that plays off of this whole jets thing because because mm-hmm. that that scene in West Side Story is like they're getting ready to go fight you know they're pumping themselves up with the jets and then first we must dance and then it's the yeah. rumble yeah. it's the rumble yeah yeah in West Side the, Story and, and then the next is uh yeah the inter- interlude called Street Fight which is basically just like a a cool fast bass line with the sounds of maybe people fighting it doesn't it's kind of weird and vague the sound yeah, there's like yelling and like you yeah. can hear like feet scuffling and bottles breaking and things like that yeah it made me think of like a kid in the 70s with the headphones on in the dark listening to this for the first time being like what the fuck <laughs> I'm, gonna go kick, I'm gonna go kick my friend's ass <laughs> i think this ass is kicking in or west side story is on the newest house <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, up next is uh, Blue Turk, and this one is is real jazzy. They're Fucking right left field, dude. Yeah, out of they, left field. They go in a completely different direction with this one. It's it's got some cool like horn breakdowns in the middle. It begins with bass. After that last song is just yeah. the bass mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And then the next yeah, song begins, and it's like yeah, real slow walking bass line. Vaudevillian almost too, in a way. And I would say. This one, um, I mean, the lyrics get a little like you know open to interpretation, but um, I feel like this is this is about uh, fucking a corpse. <laughs> I, I, Dude, I Blue really... Turk is sounds like a disgusting euphemism for fucking a corpse. <laughs> it totally does. I'm yeah, gonna go Blue Turk this weekend. Oh, dude, you get your Blue Turk. He uh, makes he makes some references to like uh, earthworms being in her brain. And, and he's like he's getting the juices flowing and she's like she's wet and slippery now uh but yet yeah. like making all these like uh i, I don't know all all of these images I, it could be two zombies having checks sex, out but you know i don't know um, oh man that's bad the the only horn credit is uh wayne andre playing the trombone but there are there are more horn. there's like a trumpet there's, in there there's a sax for yeah, sure there's a sax it, it this guy could have played all the horns uh, i looked him up he's like a, a he's like a session guy but um but yeah this one written by cooper and bruce uh the keys player this song is very much in my opinion, the start of that sort of the theatrics taking over the music kind of aspect, because it seems very much like, you know, a an exposition into mm-hmm. like, let's write a let's write a shocking song, like let's write right. a song about fucking a dead body kind of thing. <laughs> and like, you know, it, there's no real motivation other than it being kind of shocking. And I think that it, it it's definitely not the first time in their career that this has happened for this particular subject matter even but uh it it feels like the idea was more important than the song uh it but it it also has that element of 
well, but just think of what we can do during this song. Like you guys can pl- be playing, and I'm fucking a corpse. It's like I'm in the dirt, I'm in the dirt rolling around. And I, I'm yeah. digging up the corpse, and my dick's getting harder the whole song. And I've got to. It's like, whoa, slow down. Also, uh, I call bullshit on Cooper and Bruce's writing credits. In no way they wrote fucking Dunaway's bass part. Excuse me. I yeah, mean, like, I hate the, the old school writing credit. Like, unless you sat down and wrote that bass part, man, that dude's last name should be on the song. But that's just yeah. me. The bass yeah. rules on that song. So, it, I mean, the chorus is like, you're you're so very picture esque. You're so very cold. Oh, uh, yeah. Checks I, out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's just weird. Um, but yeah, the, I I love the like. Uh, yeah. We were talking about like you know him not being like a great technical singer, but this is like one of those parts where like his vocals like really shine. Like you really, the the part was like, but you're so very ordinary, mm-hmm. you know, you're so very lame. But that vocal presence like really comes out in there. It's it's, it's cool. Uh, tastes like whiskey on your lips and earthworms rule your brain. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I said, open to interpretation. Uh, <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, side B starts off with uh, My Stars. And this one was written by Bob Ezrin. And you kind of like, you kind of hear it because this, this one's like the epic song. Yeah, it's right? epic. I have this, that note for sure. This song definitely makes me, I, I, I can't pull anything right off the top of my head. Oh, maybe I can. But like the, uh, it's the second to last song on the album. You know what I mean? Like it's it's leading to the finale mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like it's it's the preparation. The only thing I can pull right now is like prequel to the sequel, leading into White Walls on Colors by Between mm-hmm. the Buried and Me. It's a very necessary progression to that mm-hmm. last big song, mm-hmm. and I think this sort of fills that that hole. Um, great, great song. Like I, I like this song a lot. Yeah. Well, and we had you on Bob for Thick as a Brick, and I remember one of the things we said was there's not a lot of electric guitar. There's a little bit of a solo in the song, yes. but not much. And I wrote down, well, this is what at, at about three minutes, this is what Thick as a Brick would sound like yep. with a with a rock and Glenn Buxton over it. Very oh, much so. Uh, yeah. And and actually, it's like it's he not- walked into the studio and Ezrin and. Alice Cooper were like, hey, we've got another song finished. He's like, the fuck you do? There's no guitar on this. <laughs> Actually, it's, and it's not Buxton. Bob. Oh, Rezin, yeah, you're right. It's not. Bob Rezin, he, he pulled in a, a guy named Dick Wagner to play the lead. Wow. This does, this does feel like the unraveling, man. This feels yeah, like the beginning like, of the all end. All right, motherfucker. A, you yeah. want to do Ezrin, everything. Ezrin fucks with band's dynamics. What is he doing, man? <laughs> yeah, he he put, likes to he, stir the pot. It's a pinch hitter, man. He he, he brought in a ringer. I, I, I think that he has a he has kind of a special talent in identifying bands that are really good and seeing the person that while not music mus- you know musically is the driving force behind that band but is at least the motivation that's there or the idea person and you know pushes them to the center and is like mm-hmm. this is what's going to sell records this, he did the same thing with kiss like paul and gene are the important parts the other two guys are not like so as long as they're featured that's really all that matters because at the end of the day, Alice Cooper was, he probably made more money as a solo artist than he did with the band. I mean, just right. because he had total control. 
Yep. The, the theme that I'm getting from this one too, this is, this is all about like a, a healer. Like this is all about like a, uh, an, a televangelist. Like he's talking about like, I, I can make your arms and your legs work again. I can help you see, you know, he's, he's talking about like bringing people to him uh, so he can be this like great prophet or a messiah, you know? And then the end, at the end of the song, he's like, all I need is a Holocaust to make yeah. my day complete you know? yeah, very that. very much like his dad like his dad being a, a preacher and i think that's what vincent went to school for is initially was to become a preacher like his dad and there's that kind of you know for lack of a better term like the devil you know thing to attack and to you know uh you know condemn and and you know counterculture kind of coolness of uh ah preachers you know fuck them and they're all cult leaders and stuff like that which may be true uh but i i think that that's kind of his boogeyman that he he does that a lot in, in his music yeah uh and then next up is just that's this is his jailhouse rock public animal number nine yep this, this is just all about uh you know going to jail making license plates uh yeah, she wanted an Einstein, she got a Frankenstein. Hey, why would a warden throw a party in the county jail? Like, why would he do that? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and the uh, the writing credits on this one are interesting too because Bruce, who wrote Blue Turk, the jazzy one, he's the one who wrote the music for this one, which was like a complete like shift from that style. Mm -hmm. um, he played multiple things. He might have wrote one on guitar and one on, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's just a rocker. Um, the outro vocals are fucking crazy. It's more of that like yeah. char character. Oh yeah, yep. stuff. yeah. That's the one where he starts growling like an animal. <laughs> yeah, it's right? real weird. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, he, he's just sort of like, you know, the name of the song is "Public Animal," not "Public Enemy." So right. it, it's it's like this is this is you know you're a public enemy before you. Well, get he caught. did. He does that stuff on on Killer, especially mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, the the sort of pig squealing, yeah. Like mm -hmm. he does that a lot. Like on Under My Wheels, I can think of right off the top of my head where he does that wee 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 yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> the Killer's so good. And just to you know, just to say he you know he likes to he likes to compare Einstein and Frankenstein in that one verse like you just said. But you know, to be fair, Frankenstein was also a genius. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, Unless he's, he thinks Frankenstein was the monster, which lots of well, teen, teenage Poss Frankenstein, teenage Frankenstein was the monster. <laughs> the monster was actually us. I was off a constrictor. It was Alice Cooper's one of his solo records. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then back to the school theme with the uh, alma mater. And oh, and this is this is the uh, fine. The drummer can write a song song <laughs> on the record, and boy, does it. It does it show because it's very out of place. It you know it 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 reminds me a lot of of the Beatles. To yeah, it's Lennon. I wrote Lennon. Yeah, down. yeah. Just it's the, it's when he it's gets a, yeah, go ahead. When he, when he gets to that chorus, the like you know the the good you know goodbye yeah. everybody. It's it just it so reminds me of like the Beatles. It yeah, is but, a yeah. like like I said with my stars like leading to this like this is even though the last track is called grand finale mm -hmm. this one feels like the end of the record like it feels like that you know yeah always be together at the end of greece kind of moment like the the, the mm -hmm. last song in the musical kind mm -hmm. of thing 
and and yeah. i was i was wrong actually uh, i i thought that previous song was the only one without a cooper credit but this one doesn't have a cooper credit i think it's just the drummer isn't yeah. it neil, neil smith wrote music and lyrics yeah so it i feel like this was this was like his you know he he probably felt like there's a theme happening on the album or mm-hmm. he wanted he wanted to try and create more of a theme to the schools out sort of thing so yeah uh, yeah, so you know, just writing a song about uh, he's you know leaving it all behind, like you know, very dynamic. Out, school, mm-hmm. School's out, but it's it's like the it's the less now I'm sad, less, yeah, because I'm yeah. in prison. Yeah, I want to exactly. go back to school. I want to go back to school where I'm not in prison. <laughs> school's in. <laughs> school's in. Shouldn't have been murdering all those cats. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean I. I liked I liked a lot of the lyrics in this one. I thought oh, that was pretty good. Um, this oh, this is also one where like he does the little like talking, he tells the little story about yeah. Uh, it was like one of those moments where like I don't know. I, I totally hear like uh, I totally see like David Lee Roth getting inspiration from this. Like, he's always got those parts in the songs where he like likes to talk in the middle, like in pa- in Panama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh come on. Yeah. He's the seat back. Yeah. Dave, shut the fuck up. Don't want to write yeah. lyrics. Don't I, say anything. Yeah, I always thought it was like it was like one of those moments where like he thought someone else was in the studio and he was like talking to him and someone comes in like no one else is in here david <laughs> no no I'm, I'm working i'm working tapes rolling baby uh yeah and then it ends with the grand finale which um, is it grand finale or grande finale oh yeah maybe grande <laughs> i think it's grande because it does have a, an e at the end yeah but but, could, but i think finale has an e at the end as well so yeah. And it could Grande be, finale. It could be French, you know. It could just be grand. Good, uh, good, grand good. Final. It's this is where uh, you know that people probably know that like Alice Cooper. One of one of the ways he kind of got to start was like Frank Zappa helped him break mm-hmm. through into things. They lived in the same building as yeah, I, as Frank Zappa. Yeah, and I feel like this is sort of uh, this is a bit of Zappa rubbing off on him, like doing a doing a big like epic sort of instrumental ending to the album. that vincent is not involved with whatsoever so it's just <laughs> like all right listen we're the music this is the uh the end credits music that's it's the music you hear yeah. when you're leaving the theater and it's this i i, I said it earlier but this this shows me or it, it makes me feel that this is the last gasp of psychedelic uh-huh. sort of musicianship for them this is the like this is the the bow on it yeah. to where they're going to go and just do more rock and roll kind of straightforward less jamming less instrumentation in the the next couple of records yeah. this record you know this record i was thinking about it the other day when i was listening to it this record feels like and i don't know if, if bands do this but i would think that they do if you're a band for long enough you know, you record that first record, you've got 18 songs, but only 12 of them make it on the record. And then mm-hmm. the next record, you've got 12 new songs and there's five that didn't make it on the record and then and and so on and so forth. And then there's like, you know, 10 or so songs that are just sort of laying around that you've written and that you would kind of like to put on a record. And it feels like School's Out was the, you know, the 
the the linchpin that held it all together and they just sort of put in songs that they already had from different points earlier in their career that's what it feels like to me is it's just kind of a a patchwork record of music they had written a while ago but I, I you know I I don't know I'm not in the band but that's what it sounds like because it's all over the place like thematically yeah. well and this and, one also sounds like you said earlier bob like they would be doing stuff on stage during it yes like, it, like is this you you seem to be a big fan so you know is this the song they cut his head off on live oh no no it kind of feels so. like some kind of grande it, finale it may be it may be I, I i saw alice cooper one time when i was very very young so i don't i don't remember i couldn't tell you you know what songs they played during what parts right. it, it seems like that this was there was no clear clear sort of uh theatrical vision for it it was kind of a just we can do whatever we want mm -hmm. kind of thing and i i think that they just had ideas for the stage show that just sort of we were just like well we can play this during that or we can, right right you know kind of thing i really like this song i put uh song fucking owns half of vancouver i don't know what that means but i guess i really like the it. pretty good I, the, song the synth on this song is really cool too that really like sharp like uh synthesizer i don't know that there's synth on like i know there's piano and kind of concertina kind of stuff but i don't know Strange. that they ever used synth on on a record before uh and maybe it's just like recency like but yeah i i really like that the one thing that i i actually i i like the song but the one thing i, I could have done without i didn't like is i don't like them reprising the jets Theme. they go they go back to yeah. the, they go back to the sondheim at the end it's like why not end the record with something that you created why well, and why did you have to end it with like this little piece of a cover that you did correct me if i'm wrong but it's it, it it's it's not it doesn't sound the same though it, it i i think i want to say it's like harder in this when they when they reprise it um maybe i'm, I'm and, and it's but... credited to elmer bernstein not leonard and sound and sondheim so well, it's probably elmer a bernstein is a like very famous like hollywood composer like he yeah. did a ton of like he did like the blues brothers and stripes and uh like uh animal house like like a bunch of those 70s 80s uh -huh. like movies that had like those orchestral scores like <laughs> which is you know uh but that so that kind of makes sense how it's put together is like the end of the movie like credit roll like the yeah. music you hear at the end yeah yeah i mean i i like i mean i think it's good i i just could have done without that i'm always i'm always for like more of your own stuff rather yeah. than like you want to throw a cover in there that's cool but i don't you know like you want you want to have a big like epic moment at the at the end of your album but then you want to end it with something that you didn't write yeah you know now that i think about it this specifically sounds to me like it, it may be what they use to to cut his head off with because this sounds like the music that would play after the band left stage you know like right. they would put on like 
a track of theirs that wasn't like an actual song, but it was their music and it was while the crowd walked out. Well, and he says goodbye in Alma Mater. I wonder yeah. if he does like this if, big thing with Alma Mater, says goodbye, lays yeah. down, head cuts off, and then they play this music because he's Yeah, dead. I'm going to have to look into that because that that is like a, I mean, looking back on it, that's a hot, that's a good idea. Like it yeah. makes sense. And it's the grande finale. Grande finale. <laughs> when the head, thy head is gone. Well, uh, schools out made it all the way to number two on the charts in the U.S. So that, I mean, that was that's pretty that's pretty good for uh, you know being the being the weirdo, being the scary guy. Spooky. Spooky head. Um, but yeah, good, that's pretty good record. Not their best, cool. but I I that they're it, it it it's not my favorite Alice Cooper record, as as I've said, but. I think Billion Dollar Babies is the best record they could have made as a band. It, it, it took a little bit of everything that they had done previously and put it into a package. It's Moving Pictures by Rush. It's, mm. okay, we're going to fine tune what you're doing into a more palatable sort of thing. And I think Billion Dollar Babies is easily their, their most palatable album whereas this one very much seems like that last chance at okay but if we really try we can put every idea in and, and pull every song we never recorded maybe it'll work you know and it, it's it's hemispheres by rush you know it's the <laughs> it's the you know we did everything we wanted to do and we wrote a song about trees and <laughs> if you uh... It didn't work too good, so let's record Tom Sawyer like that. Wow. Schools out is is all of those Tom things. Sawyer <laughs> and Bob Froze. <laughs> he did right then, right then. Tom Sawyer made with the smile on his face. <laughs> he froze with a smile on his face. Well, if you ever want to see the actual desk that they took a picture of for this album cover, it's at the uh, Las Vegas Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> so. Um, if you're ever nice. out that way <laughs> nice hey it, uh, are the panties in there too or <laughs> um well it was it was nice having bob on again yep. wasn't it and um yep. we'll just we'll just say happy 50th birthday and end it there 